Hi, I'm Dr. Barbara Becker Holstein, and I'm back again in the shared universe. I think the new room of the shared universe, or maybe it's your home, I'm not sure. Uh, and I'm with Ming Chen. And tonight, we're, the program is about visionaries. I want to explain a little bit why I'm starting a show about visionaries. It's not going to replace my Enchanted Self show at all. It's in addition, because I think visionaries are so critical to our lives. They bring us inventions. They make us happy. They take us out of the box with humor, with wisdom, with uh, creativity. And we're pretty lost without visionaries. But really, visionaries are never a problem to find because many, many people are visionaries and don't acknowledge it. They don't recognize it in themselves. They think they're just ordinary, but they're extraordinary. That's why I thought it would be so clever and fun to start this visionary show with Ming Chen, who has been such a help to me in bringing me into the airwaves of the podcast world and is very, very unassuming. But the more I know about him, the more I know he really is a visionary. So I'm not going to, I'm going to come back to Ming, Ming in just a couple of minutes. But I do want to take a moment to talk about the times we're in because these times really, really are fraught with not only danger uh, and worry, but anxiety, mild depression, and how will I even stay another day with my kids if I have to? And why didn't I ever realize that I really married the wrong person? You know, it is the type of setting that pulls people in many different directions when once we get worried and upset and we're uh, in the same space, maybe a little too much, and we can't get to some of our normal activities. So I was thinking, what can I really offer the world? There are a lot of bright psychologists out there. There's a lot of interesting things going on, people giving lectures, people giving free Zumba classes and everything. And then it sort of came to me, well, in my own way, I'm a visionary. And in the links that make me a visionary that I think are worth sharing is that I've been able to move from psychology to filmmaking, to storytelling, and even to uh, writing a play that was produced. But it's particularly the move to filmmaking and what goes with that. And I was thinking, hey, I want to give a gift to the public. I want something out of my films that I'm not worried about, you know, whether somebody gets the rights or doesn't get the rights or where they put it, um, as long as it's good places. I want them to just be uplifted. So I took footage from many of the films I've made that Megan Brown has starred in, which are the coming of age films about a girl. And I took them and made the, a storyline that basically goes from despair to elation. And that's really what we're all trying to do, not only through our lives as we go through each stage of life and, or each loss or 
breakup or loss of a job or, you know, the rent's due and I can't pay it or whatever, you know, that struggle to climb back on your horse and make it to the next high point, the wonderful moment of just elation that we, it's just so special. You can probably count them on your fingers. And if you have more than 10, you can get to easily. That's great. That's really great. So that's what I did with this film. And um, because I had the uh, uh, advantage of Wayne Olivetti coming into my life, who's a beautiful, fabulous composer, um, this film has very little in the way of language. It has the scenes that correspond to the music and the lyrics of the uh, song. I wrote the lyrics. So I'm going to play the song, or Ming Shen is, Chen is going to play the song, uh, the film for us, and then we'll come back. And... I've been feeling really down lately. My mom's been focused on my baby sister and my little brother, and my dad's been working really hard lately. And I'm just not happy with all the stuff that's been going on around me, and I have no control over it. And there's just so much more dangerous, like, awful stuff just going on, and I, I can't change any of it. And there's no one I can talk to about this, because my mom and dad are unavailable, and I really only have you. Truth change and still remain lives are touched and then retouched beyond the veil the future lies full and inviting uncertain yet beckoning and even I the strength to open my heart and my arms to the sky and sing out Am I being heard? Yeah, okay. Uh, I wanna just mention that you can find this little film on www Enchanted Self. It's gonna be up on the front page for a long time and you're free to grab it. And I hope you will. And I hope you'll talk about some of the images in the, pic in the film and uh, what the girl learned about love and connection in less than two minutes and pass it along, please. So now I'm going to put on my interviewer hat. And actually, if I go, oh, oh, well, okay, I better stop trying to mess up with my hair and look very professional. 
kind of a Barbara Walters? Not really, no. Anyway, Ming Chen is probably one of the most kind, instructive, fun people I have ever met. He's amazing. He he just is amazing. And I I don't even know if I can fully describe him, and I'm not going to try to. I'm going to give you a tiny bit of his background, and then we'll go back and forth with some discussion, and hopefully we'll learn some of the secrets of his path to become a visionary. So Ming's road to Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash all began in 1995 when the college student, and I assume that's Ming, right? Um, video store employee and Kevin Smith follower developed a fan website based on the movie Clerks. Smith, who appreciated Chen's work, reached out and asked him to create the website for his production com company, View Askew Productions. I like that creative name. 22 years later, not only does Chen continue to work on all of Smith's online projects, but he has also ventured into several other areas within the Kevin Smith empire, most recently hosting a weekly podcast called I Sell Comics with Michael Zapsik on Smith's radio network. Uh, Siri, is that a Siri station? Uh, no, it's a podcast no. network. <laughs> a podcast, okay, S-I-R. Okay. S-Modcast Internet Radio. Chen is not only the technical expert for the stash, but he is also the perfect person to send out to do the jobs no one else wants to. He takes it all with a smile and is happy to be part of the team. During And those are important concepts. I think that's a lot of why you've been able to really be a visionary because of that generosity of spirit. During his free time, Chen serves on the board for the nonprofit organization Root to Rise. He also co-owns a podcast studio with Mike Zappick called A Shared Universe and is a partner in a coffee gaming and comics cafe called Coral Sword in Houston, Texas, with major league ball player Hunter Pence. Chen has been married to his wife, Debbie, for 15 years and has two children, Lillian and Harrison. Well, where should we start? First of all, is there anything in just the write-up about you that you want to more clearly explain maybe for people who don't follow the whole comic world? Oh, man. Um, where do I start? First of all, thank you for the uh, very flattering introduction. I... Uh, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I'm stuck inside. Uh, this is actually uh, is where I live. We're all stuck inside. We're being safe in this very, very crazy time. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't showered yet. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the days are running into each other. But, you know, we're, we're all doing our part to uh, eliminate this, uh, this virus. Um, and it's a very trying time. So it's, it's good to hear good things said about you. I, uh, yes. I, really, I really appreciate that. And um, man, where where do I begin? Um, that uh, it's a uh, that's yeah. I guess that's my official bio. It's very um, it's uh, it's got a lot of things in there um, from working with Kevin Smith to uh, 
Uh, I was on a TV show, and then I've started this podcast studio, and I have the partial ownership in the uh, the comics and the gaming cafe. Um, I and I think a lot of people are like, "Wow, that's a that's a lot." Um, and uh, I yeah, I don't like to sit still, which is kind of why being quarantined is a uh, it's it's kind of a tough thing. Although in the I guess in the last week and a half or so, I've learned. It's kind of nice to slow down and be in the same spot as well. So I think in the last uh, five to seven years, I've just been running over the place. Uh, as you know, mm-hmm. I do a lot of traveling. Uh, I go to I get invited to a lot of comic cons and I, I love meeting people and seeing the world. And uh, but I, I like being I like being here, too. I like uh, I don't like being away from the studio. I don't really particularly like being away from home from long stretches at a time. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's uh while we're forced to stay inside, it's kind of, it's, it is kind of a blessing for all of us, I think. I think we'll all change in various ways and realize some of the running around really created another form of anxiety and sort of wasted time that I, I can see that I, I feel almost a relief some of the days that I don't have to, you know, run here and run there. And uh, it's just... What I've been, what we all carry, it's like we all have a sack on our backs. Um, I'd like to go back. I actually can't read the exact questions I wrote you because I would ruin the connection. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no problem. Um, I actually have them, uh, I I think I have them here in front of me, which was uh, number one was uh, what was my vision for my work during the pandemic? And then what is my vision for my work over the next 10 years, which are great questions. so right now, uh, my main focus is uh, the podcast studio, A Shared Universe, which, uh, which you've been a loyal client of for over a year now. And uh, I, re- I remember the first day you came in with uh, CJ Cullen and the guys from the Hang On Your Shorts Film Festival. And uh, I remember your energy and how dynamic you were and uh, just how passionate you were talking about your films and uh, why you do what you do. And... Uh, I, I remember uh, you. Uh, you're like, wow, this this is a really cool format. I can. Oh yes, it's a good yes. way to get my message out there. And I was like, hey, um, whatever you want to do, I would love to help you get your message out there. And uh, you've been coming in faithfully uh, once a month for over a year. And uh, I get I get a lot of feedback. Uh, for, uh, I mean, from my family or people who have seen you, on uh, who have listened to your podcast or seen your live broadcasts, and uh, uh, they they appreciate what you do for uh, kids, teens especially. Uh, reaching out to them, helping their, them with their anxieties, and um, just them dealing with the world, and um, uh, yeah, the the whole podcast movement, uh, relatively new, but uh, it was something I saw, something I've been doing for over ten years, and uh, I I love this. I love talking into a microphone, and then that voice goes out into the world. Um, when I was a kid, I I kind of wanted to be on the radio. I was a shy kid, but I saw looked like being on the on the radio was fun um but uh my attempts of getting on the radio as a kid were nearly impossible you know they don't hand out radio time slots to high school (laughs) kids um they don't do it now and they didn't do it back then so uh later on in life when this podcast format came out i was like wait anybody could do this anybody can start their own show and get it out in the world and uh they were like yeah uh it's it's not that hard so i um I was influenced by filmmaker Kevin Smith. He started me down the uh, the path of podcasting, and I, I followed him. And he taught me about how fun this was, and I got hooked immediately. 
and uh, I've been doing this for over 10 years. And uh, later on in that journey, though, uh, we, we, we would get a lot of people going, hey, I love your podcast. How do I start one? I want to start a podcast. It's like, oh, that's a great question. And uh, I would give them a little 10 to 15 minute lesson on what gear to buy and what kind of uh, the, the technical aspects. Uh, but I never thought that was enough. And uh, we'd always, always kind of joked around about opening up uh, either our, our own classroom or our own studio. And uh, finally, me and uh, Mike Zapsik, uh, who is in my bio, um, my, my partner in the business, uh, decided to just do it. Uh, found some cheap office space and uh, opened up a studio. And uh, we wanted to spread our love and our fun of this format to other people. And uh, I think we've done that. Uh, very, not very, uh, very new thing though. We didn't know if anybody would want to do something like this. We, you know, we were having fun doing it. We didn't know if anybody else would actually come and sit behind a microphone and start their own shows. Um, and then, you know, it's a business, so we didn't know if anyone would pay for studio time to do this. And slowly but surely, we discovered that not only do people want to do this, um, but that it's not just for business owners. It's not just for um, people who have experience being on the radio. We found out this format is truly for everybody, for anybody who has a voice and for anybody who wants to get their message out to anybody else. And it's as easy as uh, coming down to our place and sitting behind a microphone and talking. So, um, you know, up until, I guess, two weeks ago, it was great. People were coming in, collaborating. Uh, we had, uh, I, we, uh, we've launched, uh, I think, over 50 shows at this point uh, since we've been, been open in the last two years. And uh, what I love seeing is... Uh, um, we'll have one group of podcasters collaborate with other group of podcasters and they wouldn't have met unless they had they not come into our, our studio. So there's a lot of collaboration going on, which was our original vision. Um, but, um, but with this, uh, this pandemic, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we had to shut our physical doors in the studio and we weren't allowed to have people in. And, um, you know, there was a moment it was like, whoa, what are we going to do now? This kind of this kind of quashes, uh, you know, the whole reason we, we did this. We wanted people to come in and we wanted people to collaborate and we wanted, and, and podcasting, as you know, you bring in guests, you love talking to them face to face, mm -hmm. you know, getting their reactions and seeing their emotions, uh, you know, right in front of you. Um, uh, however, uh, on most of your broadcasts, we usually dial somebody in and yes. we usually get somebody remotely who either can't be in or they're from a great distance and that's something we've been doing for for years now, is getting remote broadcasting. Um, uh, you know, we, we always kind of brag with podcasting with technology. Now there are no boundaries. You can dial in someone from the Himalayas if you have to. Yes, remember we had that girl from uh, Vietnam. Yes, yeah, and and, yeah. It, and it it worked great. She sounded great. And she looked great, and uh, you know, technology wise, it, it was great. It was the next best thing to having her right in the room with us and so we we're like well we've been getting connecting people remotely for years uh now that everybody is in their you know has has to stay put in their homes um you know thankfully everybody has an internet connection or a smartphone and uh, i was like well we can just adapt and connect people remotely just like we're doing right now you're in your home i'm in my home we're both being safe uh why don't we just get everybody to do it this way until it's all over, you know, we, we, we can still connect people and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and while it's not face to face, 
it's uh, you know, it, it really is the next best thing. Um, so that's what we're doing now. We're trying to get all our podcasters that were coming in to, to our physical space and moving them into a virtual space. And I think it's been working out well. Um, I, uh, I just had a podcast on before you and it was six kids who had just worked on a film at their high school before all this happened. And now they're not allowed to see They can't see each other. They have to stay apart. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, for that hour we were talking, I think they kind of appreciated being together just for that moment. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to the questions and, and a little bit to, I'm always interested in the themes and the parents and the relatives and the mentors, how you get the courage and you build up enough energy flow because it really is, I mean, there are tons of bright people all around and, and beautiful people and talented and they can't get past go, you know, they just can't. And you represent somebody who really got past go and you keep going and you keep generating so were there some special people or moments or stories as you grew up that you could share with us? Yeah, um, I mean, uh, I guess you wouldn't know it now, doctor, but, uh, you know, when I was in high school and college, very shy. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was that kid in the back of the room. Don't call on me. I don't want to, I know the answer. I don't, I don't want to be wrong. So, I, you know, I never mm. raised my hand. Um, and, I, you know, I had a small group of friends. But beyond that, uh, I was pretty introverted. And... Um, I think there are a couple factors that got me to get out of that. Uh, one uh, definitely was podcasting. Uh, this, I had no desire to do this. I had no desire to start my own show. I had no desire to talk behind a microphone. I had no idea, no desire to put myself out there. Um, I think it was a, a lot of it was inspired by Kevin Smith, who is uh, probably one of the biggest extroverts that I know. He, uh, his, his thing is, uh, you know what? If you love something, and you have a great idea. Just just go do it. Just go do it. And even maybe you can take it even a little farther and find a way to make a living doing it as well. Um, but if you love doing it, if you have that throw that passion behind it, you're going to do it. You're going to be great at it. <laughs> um, you know, it's going to if you if you can throw that kind of heart behind it, uh, you're going to do a great job at it. So that was that was one factor. And uh, I mean, he he had to push me, though. He had to push me to do this. It wasn't just like, hey, just. It was literally him like, hey, I, I want you to start a podcast. And I'm like, I, I don't want to do this. I was the, I was, he hired me to be his technical guy. I was the guy who sat behind the computer. I was the guy who, mm-hmm. who uploaded his podcast onto iTunes. I was the guy behind the computer or the guy sitting in the chair behind the computer. I had no desire to do this. But, uh, you know, he, he really pushed me to do this. Though. He's like, hey, I really need you to do this. I think uh, you have a great voice. I think you have great opinions. I think you would be really good at this. And I'm like, oh man, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I really didn't want to do this, but uh, you know, with his encouragement and his blessing and, you know, a little bit of a push uh, it, it, you know, he got me to record my first episode and I was like, wow, that was really fun. Yeah. And I started getting feedback from listeners like, Hey, we thought you were great. We love what you talked about. That definitely encouraged me as well. And uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I really, we found an audience and uh I uh, I was pretty I was hooked on it um, immediately. So I'm I'm trying to spread that to everybody else. Uh, we get a lot of people coming into the studio. They've never done this before, and they're they're very nervous, and uh, they they they're very apprehensive at first. And um, 
usually by the end, they're like, wow, that was really fun. Can I do that mm-hmm. next week? Can I come back next week? I'm like, you can come back in an hour if you want. You can come back as much <laughs> as you want. So that was, uh, yeah, I, that was that was definitely a factor. Um, also, uh, I have I have a lot of cousins. I have a lot of older cousins, and um, I would visit them every summer. And uh, they uh, they they really pushed me to to do more things. They're like, hey, you know what? You know they they showed me. They they taught me how to be cool. They showed me the world. They they introduced me to new foods. They introduced me to do uh, just I think living a bigger, better life. I think, and uh, I really give them a lot of credit as well. Family. Well, members. these are these are extremely important factors that you had a mentor that not only told you you could go for your dreams, but he actually identified talents within you, which would help you label those talents better, probably because. You know, when we hear it from someone else, it's like, really? Maybe, you know. And so he did a great job. And then your cousins, I love that. It reminds me of one of my two cousins. And my parents seemed to dump me there every weekend. I think it had something to do with them having a night out. But, um, you know, they were a little older than I, these girls. And I learned how to you know, all the current dances and songs and everything and how to dress and a little bit of makeup and everything that, you know, wouldn't have happened without these cousins. They can be very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, God bless older cousins. Uh, if you have them, treasure them because uh, they'll, yeah. they'll show you the yeah. way. Yeah. And then the second part of your question is, uh, what is my vision for this in the next 10 years? So we opened this place, total experiment, didn't know if anybody would use it. And uh, now we're discovering that people love podcasting um they love coming into our studio they love recording and they love creating they love collaborating they love talking about their passions and uh our studio is in eatontown new jersey in the monmouth county area uh a mid-sized community i would say uh you know it's nothing like a new york or chicago or an la so the goal is to spread this to have a, a shared universe everywhere uh i would love to see a shared universe in every major city in, in Houston and in Nashville and Atlanta, LA, San Francisco, Seattle. Um, I, I have a, I have a list. I have a list of places I would love to open up in. And, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be major cities. It can be uh, smaller cities as well. Mm-hmm. I've seen that this, this could work anywhere that I could open up a podcast studio anywhere. And I think people would not only use it, but love using it and love getting their message out there so uh that's yeah that's my goal in the next 10 years is, is to 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 share our universe with every city in the world um uh, your title is perfect yeah that was uh my business partner came up with that uh the, yeah. the um the business name is uh has uh the meaning is twofold uh number one we're huge fans of comic books so in the comic books uh, a lot of your superheroes would share their universes uh like Captain America would pop up with the X-Men or Batman would wind up in Metropolis one day or, you know, and, and they would share their universes. And um, that's something we've been reading about since we were kids. And we always thought that was really cool. Uh, you know, when you would see uh, another superhero, uh, you know, invade, um, you know, the, the, the domain of another superhero or even villains coming over and crossing over. We always thought that was cool. Uh, but in our studio, um, you know, we have educators, we have psychologists. We have business people. Uh, we have people who love film and comic books, and they all come to our studio and share their own universes. So, and I love being in the studio. It, it's <laughs> it's so different than any other setting that I've ever been in since I've been 
a professional, you know, it's just raucous. It's just, it's beating a tune into the universe of characters and fun and humor. And I, I have not really read comic books as an adult, but I was a great collector as a kid. Of course, I was geared more to the feminine comic books of the day that I don't know if you ever read Little Lulu, and I think, you know, some of them are, uh, they're gone, they're gone. But um, Donald Duck, you've probably heard oh, of yeah. some of these <laughs> absolutely, characters. Yeah, absolutely, you know? I And I think at one point I had about 150 piled in one pile, then another pile that was smaller of classic comic books. And uh, I don't know if they exist the same way today, but... It was a good introduction to books that later I read. And um, and I love the fantasy characters, Wonder Woman and Superman. And I wish I had saved that. I think I had the comic when his parents found him in the case. Yeah, and the, you know? uh, yeah, the little, the little uh, escape pod <laughs> yeah, from yeah. Krypton, yes. Yeah, and uh, so you were a collector. I was. That's, all, that's amazing. It. Yeah. What was the next story? What were some of the other questions? Uh, the next I question can't... was, uh, well, uh, let's back up and see how you got here. What was your childhood and schooling life like? Yeah. Your family life? Um, so I, uh, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm full Chinese, full-blooded Chinese by descent. Uh, however, I was born in the U.S. So I was, uh, I was born uh, near Cleveland, Ohio, in a suburb called Euclid. And uh, I always think it's funny. Um, uh, you know, I've gotten this question for the every. All the time for the 45 years I've been on this earth, uh, people are interested in my, my ethnicity. It's like, oh man, what are uh, you know what what what's what what's what's your background? I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. Chinese. Like, wow, where were you born? Taiwan, Beijing. I'm like, no, Cleveland, <laughs> Ohio. And uh, <laughs> so, so they're a little taken aback by that. But um, my parents came here in the mid 60s, uh, met while they were in college here in the United States, got married, and then they had me. So I uh, I had a very very American upbringing. Um, which would make sense because I've lived here all my life. And uh, as such, uh, you know, I was doing very American things. I was collecting comic books. Uh, I was watching cartoons, uh, Saturday morning cartoons and daily afternoon cartoons. Um, and, uh, yeah, I got I, 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 I was full on in the American culture. Uh, my parents, though, I think they were trying to always instill their background. The uh, They were trying to get me to be to keep uh you know their culture and, and instill that in me and um i uh i think i i i probably resisted more than i should have um it all seemed very foreign to me which i guess would make sense uh mm-hmm. having been raised here and uh i wish i would have listened to them a little more to be honest with you so uh you know they try to get me to learn the language uh they try to send me to chinese school every mm-hmm. every uh for a couple hours every weekend and i just wanted to go out and play football with my friends and uh, I kind of wish I would have um, listened to them a little more, but uh, I think uh, you know a lot of their influence did did catch on within me, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. Now as an older kid, as a younger kid, I was <laughs> I fought I fought it tooth and nail. Um, but uh, and then you know the stereotypes of uh, Asian parents being kind of um, very uh, very very tough on you academically, and you know kind of pushing you. Uh, they're all true. So <laughs> and. Uh, I um yeah I I think when I was a kid all I wanted to do is read comic books and and play video games. Uh, my grades wouldn't have been as good had they not pushed me a little bit or mm-hmm. or a lot. Mm-hmm. So, 
Uh, now looking back, I'm glad they did. But um, back then, uh, yeah, I wasn't, again, wasn't as appreciative. But, uh, you know, I had a pretty normal upbringing, though. Uh, my dad was an engineer. My mom was a bank teller. And uh, I think um, the only unique thing was we moved around a lot, so which I hated. I hated making friends and then having to leave them three years later or seven years later. Um, but sure, That's but uh, and then you know going to new schools and all that 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 uh, that I never really loved. Um, but I think that got me to later on in life, uh, you know, figure out how to make new friends and talk to people later on. So, but uh, yeah, very very uh, you know pretty pretty normal upbringing. Uh, you know, high school I went to college at the University of Michigan, um, which is a, a a great place. Although again, I think in the moment I never. As a kid, I never really appreciated anything. Uh, back then, it was just I was just going to college, but now I really appreciate that I was going to a really good college, and I found out what I wanted to do there, which was uh, you know kind of do something in the technology field, and uh, I learned a lot about what I wanted to do in the future there. So, um, yeah, very good upbringing though. I have no I have no complaints. My parents were very good people. Uh, my parents are still around, thankfully. Um, they're still married, and. Um, uh, yeah, they're still pushing me to, 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 to do better, even though, you know, even though I'm, uh, I'm 45. Uh, and uh, even when I when I was on TV, uh, I don't know if they fully got that. Um, you know, I think they're still wondering if I'm going to go be a doctor or a lawyer or <laughs> or something. Yes, so, yes. For sure. Well, they must be proud of you. And uh, I hope so. I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if you... Uh, are willing to share a little bit how you may met your wife. Is there any kind of interesting story I, uh, there? My wife, uh, I met her uh, at a New Year's Eve party in Worcester, Massachusetts in, uh, I think, 1993. Um, it, yeah, a friend was uh, throwing a party there. Um, she was going to school at the University of Maryland. I was in Michigan. Uh, we met, sparks flew, and uh, we had a long-distance relationship until we graduated college, which I actually think was a good thing. We were able to concentrate a little more, mm -hmm. more on our studies rather than a full-blown relationship being together. And uh, after I graduated, I moved to Maryland to be with her, um, got my first job uh, in that area. And uh, yeah, um, we dated for seven years, so which a lot of people think was a long time before I asked her to marry me, but um, I, I, think it, I think it worked out. So we've been married... Um, I think my bio said 15 years. I have to update that. It is. Um, <laughs> it'll be 18 years this August now. So it's been. Uh, you know, we've been together for a long time, and um, yeah, it's been fun. We're both. We're both a little crazy. So. Oh, that's good. <laughs> when two crazy people are together, that blend. It's wonderful. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You can relax and. Uh, yeah, I don't. Take... I don't know how she deals with that craziness, but uh, you know, during this whole <laughs> pandemic thing, she was very prepared, and I was not. So that. Uh, so you got to thank uh -huh. you for that, for sure. Yeah. Anything else further down on the questions that you'd like to respond to? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, go ahead. You, uh, you had asked uh, when and how did I get my, my, my interest in comic books and uh, my interest in technology? Uh, that's a great question. So uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, I was uh, on a reality TV show called Comic Book Men, which dealt with uh, the world of comic books, the world of pop culture, and a lot of the wacky goings on in a comic book shop. And uh, that comic book shop was lo uh, lo uh, located uh, locally here in Red Bank, New Jersey. Uh, it's owned by filmmaker Kevin Smith. And uh, he's had that shop open for 23 years. So, um, 
And uh, when I started working with Kevin, he had just opened up the comic book shop. Uh, he did it because he loved comics. I was getting back into comics, and uh, it just it just kind of worked out. Uh, comics at that point were getting the stories were getting a little more uh, more a little more deep, a little more for adults. Uh, the comic market shifted to the adults who had salaries and could afford to buy more more comic books, and I got I got really into them, and uh, as a result. Uh, somehow wound up on this crazy reality TV show, and we went for seven seasons. Uh, we shot ninety six total episodes, <laughs> and uh, I think uh, I'd like to think we were we were pretty. We were, it was pretty good. A lot of people have seen it and tell me that they loved it, which is cool. Can you can you still see it anywhere? Does you can. It you can. It's on Amazon Prime Video right now. Uh, all ninety six episodes. So anybody, if anybody has Amazon Prime, uh, they can watch it for free. And uh, yeah, I had a great time shooting that that show. Uh, we started in 2012, and our our last season was in 2018. So uh, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, I got into comic books as a six year old in first grade. Uh, one of my classmates handed me a copy of The Avengers, and uh, the issue number is number two two fourteen, and uh, it got my it uh, spurred my imagination immediately. I saw these costume characters on there that I'd never seen before, and uh, as a as a six year old, I was like, "Whoa, what is this? Uh, this isn't <laughs> you know, this isn't Doctor Seuss. This isn't you know, this isn't Hop on Pop. This is something different. This is whoa, what? This is crazy." And uh, I read that comic from cover to cover, and I was uh, I was hooked immediately. So uh, and uh, so I, I've been into comic books and pop culture ever since. Uh, um, I grew up mainly as a kid of the 80s. And uh, for anybody who kind of grew up in that time, uh, the movies and the TV shows and the cartoons were really amazing. And they had their own kind of 80s flavor and situations. And uh, like you can turn on an 80s movie and, and uh, you know what era that's from. And that really, I think, shaped my life. So, And um, uh, yeah, later on in life, when people were telling me, it's like, hey, are, are you reading comics? Are you playing video games? Are you rewatching those '80s movies? Why are you wasting your time with that? You should go go do like adult things. You should go. Uh, you know when are you gonna grow up? And um, luckily, I never listened to them because uh, later yes. on, it worked out. Uh, you know, I got a TV show out of <laughs> out of loving all this crazy pop culture, and luckily, I didn't listen to them uh, because it really worked out for me later on in life, where uh, I got to kind of be an ambassador for uh, fandom for pop culture. And it was all because I never gave up that love of uh, all the stuff I loved growing up. I think that that's such an important point. And again, you have a, a strong uh, backbone uh, mentally. For a lot of people, once they start to get criticism, they forsake their dreams. Yes. And, um, you know, I know if I were very responsive to criticism, even from my husband, who wondered, how I could be suddenly making um, my a film out of a book, I wouldn't have done it. I just yeah. wouldn't have done it. You know, you just have to have a way to kind of brush off criticism and understand that, like I said in one of my films that Megan Brown said, because she was playing the actress, um, you know, I guess everybody else is taken, so you might as well be yourself. <laughs> That's a great quote. Yeah. That's a great quote. Yeah, I think uh, people are more apt to criticize than encourage, unfortunately. So uh, you, yes. know, you just got to put those criticisms aside. 
and uh, you know, really take the encouragement. Though, though the encouragement really comes from the heart. Criticisms never do, I don't think so. No, that's a good point. I think there's like rules and regs that someone taught us, and we get upset and think we have to use them. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, you had asked, uh, you know, um, how did you know? Where, how did I get a break? Did ever you know? Was there a, any a moment in my life where I kind of got a big break? And um, yes, so. In uh, 1995, I saw a movie, uh, a little grainy black and white movie called Clerks. And it was shot in New Jersey. Uh, It had a lot of bad language in it. Um, But the, and uh, it was made by some nut in New Jersey who had taken out (laughs) 10 credit cards and sold his comic book collection. And he managed to raise $27,575. And he made this movie, shot it on black and white 16 millimeter film. Uh, but I watched this movie and I became obsessed with it. I was like, what, what is this movie? I'd never seen anything like it before. I'd never heard dialogue like that before. And I learned it was made by this guy in, who grew up in, in Red Bank, New Jersey named Kevin Smith. And, uh, he had gone to film school for four months and dropped out and then made this movie and it went to the Sundance film festival and it got picked up and, uh, it went worldwide and uh, once I hit video, I watched it on video, and I, I really became obsessed with this movie. I really, I wanted to know how it got made. I wanted to know about this crazy filmmaker guy, and uh, I channeled all that passion and all that fandom into making a fan website for the movie Clerks. And um, this was in 1995, so there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter, there was no Instagram, there was no Amazon, there was no Google. It was very early on. Um, but, uh, I had put up this fan site in an effort to reach other fans that might be out there. So, uh, so I could talk, I could talk to them about this crazy weird movie that I had seen. And, uh, lo and behold, a couple, couple months after I put up that website, uh, the, the, the guy who made the film, Kevin Smith tracked me down. He called me from New Jersey. I was like, Hey, I, I saw that website you did. I love what you did. Um, can you do more? I want to work with you. I'm like, Hold on, who is this? <laughs> I thought it couldn't possibly have been him, but it was it was definitely him, and uh, he he was about to embark on a journey where he was going to start a production company. He was going to be making more movies, and he wanted an overall website where he could uh, showcase everything that he was going to be working on, as well as his past projects. And he asked me if I could help him out, and uh, of course, being the huge fan that I was, like, yeah. Yeah, of course I'll help you out. I, absolutely, and uh, yeah, that started a li- lifelong collaboration um, that exists to this day. Um, but that was uh, 1996, so I've been working with him for uh, it'll be 24 years now. Did uh, that bring you to this part of the country? Yeah, it did. It did. Uh, I, you know, I graduated college shortly after. After that, I went out. I got a real job for a few years, but uh, eventually that that led me back here to the New Jersey area. I ended up moving here. And working with them full time, and uh, that, um, and uh, yeah, it, it's weird uh, when you work with Kevin. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, so he might start you down a down a lifelong path of podcasting. He might put you in one of his movies. He might put you in a reality TV show <laughs> that goes seven seasons. You you never know. So uh, he's kind of a dangerous guy to know. Him. But, that but was you my- can you can handle him. You obviously. I um I would like to think so. Yeah, I mean he he's uh you know he's a visionary and he's a whirlwind and uh, he's a guy that uh that you know he's he's 
he's a guy that's uh, that leads by example. You know, whatever he does, mm-hmm. and, and if his guy inspires a lot of people who he's the encourager. He's that guy will that will encourage you. He will never discourage you. And uh, as such, you know, he's got not only a big fan base, but he's helped. He's encouraged a lot of filmmakers out there. He's inspired a lot of people to do great things. Including you. Including me. Yeah, that's that's fabulous. That's absolutely for sure. Yes. And uh, he's the reason I'm sitting behind a microphone talking to you for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that was my that was my big break for sure. Well, I think it's amazing to have a big break. that's really critical sometimes. I can't say that I had a break quite as big, um, but I do remember after I had worked on my first book, The Enchanted Self, A Positive Therapy, worked on some of the chapters for a long time, I went to a conference and I knew nobody and I really wasn't in any inner circles because I wasn't a professor at a university, which is kind of the stepping stone in my field. Um, But I remember they had a whole setup of tables and people selling things, you know, the usual stuff in a great big room. And I absolutely remember that I felt almost like I was pushed toward a table, like imaginary hands pushed me. I almost fell into this table. And that's where I met this woman who was looking for books to publish uh, from a very substantial publishing house who we went out for a drink. She loved my stuff. She came down here and helped me do the outline. And because of her, really, ultimately, The Enchanted Self was published. That's amazing. And, and it kind of launched yeah. the whole, your whole movement, um, The Enchanted yes. Self. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, you got to love those unknown forces. Sometimes... Uh, you just have to move forward or listen to them. Exactly. Which is, yes. Which is pretty great. Yes. Um, you had it's, also asked, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying we, we want to uh, move toward closure because we've been talking a long time, but I want to finish the question, so go right ahead. Yeah, you would, uh, you would ask, uh, what was the most important thing I learned about myself uh, as I became a professional? Um, that's, a great, that's a great question. Uh, I guess... Gee, uh, I've been working, uh, I guess, as a professional. <laughs> it's it's such a funny word. Professional conjures up to me, uh, you know, like my dad putting on a suit and a tie and going mm-hmm. off to work. Whereas, uh, you know, I did that for the for, uh, the first part of my life. And then, um, yeah, I, I guess uh, later on, I kind of decided I wanted to do my own thing. So, um, well, you know, while I, while I love wearing a suit and tie, I prefer to do it at weddings and, uh, you know, formal events now and not every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, th- I think I just, I, I learned to, I really learned to just kind of follow my passions. Um, uh, there've been a lot of times in my professional life, uh, you know, I started out like a lot of people going to an office or going to a corporate job. And, uh, I, I learned and, you know, while I did it and it was stable and, you know, health insurance and 401ks and all that, um, I, I learned, I think the corporate life wasn't really where, wasn't really geared for me. Um, I, um, I, you know, I, I showed up on time and I, I did the work, but I, I, I can't say I really loved it. And, uh, you know, I think later on in life, I was like, why, you know, life is so short. Why am I spending eight to 10 to 12 hours a day doing something that I don't love? And I can't, I can't get behind a hundred percent. It was, it was, um, 
it was tough. I, uh, you know, I think when you start out, you kind of have to do that. It's kind of like a sacrifice. Uh, yes. Yes. You do it. And, yep. then, and then you learn, it's like, you know what, let's take a, you know, it, it might be a big risk, but try doing something, try doing the thing that you do love. Mm -hmm. um, try spending mm -hmm. that eight to 10 hours doing something that you do love. And uh, it took a little while to get there. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think mentally and uh, just, you know, in terms of living a life, living your fullest life or your best life, as people say, that's, that's definitely the way to go. Um, rather than getting yelled at at bosses and uh, getting reprimanded because you left an hour early or I don't know, there are just so many things in the corporate world that I couldn't, I just couldn't do anymore. And um, I, um, you know, I, I think I, I really, I, it really led me to going off on my own and uh, and seeking something that was on the opposite of the corporate life. But I, I think in the end, I just kind of followed what I love doing. You know, I, I followed my passions, even though if there were roadblocks, even though if there were people telling me it wasn't, it might not be a good idea. Um, I went and did it, and uh, yeah, I think I, I mean I love I love I'm loving what I'm doing now. I love that you've started a podcast. I love it. Uh, I love seeing people come in every week and love doing this. It really, it's really fulfilling, and it's it's truly what I love doing. It's truly what I love waking up and doing every day, and um, I, I would love to pass that on to other people. I was like, you know, find that thing you really love doing, and try doing more of it. If you you know find a way to do more yes. of it. Um, I, I think that's a great message, and I think during this time of upheaval, of he, upheaval, evil, where possibly even people will have to reboot again, yeah. you know, with a new job, uh, whatever, in a few months, we don't know. Um, it's an opportunity to think about your talents and strengths, and maybe uh, not feel well we all have to earn money we have to live yeah. i get that but you know not feel too tightly bound to jobs that you felt kind of mediocre about anyway um you know people may be able there may be some incredible inventions and opportunities that come out of this sort of enforced time that's yeah. partly partly tension-provoking and partly uplifting. Um, I think this was a great in interview. You're my first. You're always going to be my first visionary that I talk to. I, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, you putting me in that category is very flattering. Um, I don't know if I deserve it, but, uh, you know, but you say I do, and I'm going I'm yeah, to accept and do. embrace that for yes, sure. Yes, yes. And yes. um, I, uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, my, my goal is to just help you spread your message out there. And I think you're doing a great yeah. job. Well, in terms of my message, I just want to mention to people, particularly those people home with kids now, that getting in touch with not only your own talents, but being more honest in some ways during this period of time can be very helpful for your kids. You know, for example, kids are anxious now. And rather than um, sort of being flip or trying to just get them to make the next puzzle or whatever, um, having a chance to be honest with your kids, to talk about times you were frightened growing up, talk about solutions that happened, you know, maybe how it was to move and, and you cried in your bed and within two months you had a best pal, you know, whatever. 
sharing these stories of recovery and resiliency coming from the mother and father or stepmother or whoever's important, grandmother, uncle, friend, these stories of personal intimacy about your growing up, they're like a gift when you give it to a child, you know? It's like, oh, that was, yeah, daddy used to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, uh, you know, doing all this podcasting, I have a recorded record. Uh, I usually talk about whatever I did. You know, I talk about my life. Uh, there, are, there are hours of stories that, you know, they can either choose to listen to or not. But, um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I always loved doing this. Uh, I, I, I always wondered, uh, man, wouldn't it be cool if I found out, you know, my dad had a radio show back in the 60s and I found like an old tape. Um, I don't think he did. But, you know, yeah. you know what if he did? Yeah. You know, uh, that's what they'll uh, that's what my kids will uh, stumble upon one day. That, yes, uh, all this yes. Recorded, kind of recorded history that they can listen to or not, yeah. which, uh, yeah. you know, I may cringe at some of that if they listen back to it. They're like, whoa, wait, you did what? I was like, oh, yeah, I did do that. <laughs> Don't do that. That's That was bad. <laughs> well, I still have somewhere in the house. We probably won't find it till we move someday, but um, a little recording on a vinyl disc. My father and I stopped into some studio. I was 11, and we recorded a little argument about which of our cats was better, checkers or muffin. And, uh, you know, it was sort of silly, but it was almost like a view into the future that um, this very act that I, I had a father who would, would do something tied into technology as it existed then with a child and make it a good experience, you know, I remember that. There's probably a thousand days I don't remember at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then on the flip side, uh, you know, with the podcasting, I recently podcasted with my parents. So uh, uh, I think about a year ago, I sat my mom down and uh, I was like, hey, mom, can you can I ask you a couple questions? We're going to record it for a podcast. And, uh, you know, she was like, what is this? So she was apprehensive at first. Uh, but I got to ask her a lot of questions that I'd been dying to ask her. Uh, I learned a lot about my family history, which I didn't know, and uh, it it was pretty cool. So, and then a few months after that, I got to podcast with my dad. So, uh, oh, know, that's I'll, great! Now, I'll, did you put these on any show? Uh, yeah, oh. yeah, they're on the uh, they're they're uh, they're out there on iTunes. Uh, if you want to, you know, um, uh, I actually I haven't put my the one with my dad up yet. I might as well do it now. What am I waiting for? Mm -hmm. Right, we got nothing but right. time now. I think I'll put that up this yes. week. Oh, uh, good, good. But the one I did with good. my mom is up, and uh, I think I thought it came out pretty well. So, well, does it have a particular title with your uh, mom? It is. Uh, yeah, I think it's just called Ming's Mom. It's under. Uh, I do a podcast called the Ming and Mike Show that I do with my uh, okay my podcast yeah. and business partner Mike Zapsik. Uh Yeah, I think it's called Mom Chen is the title. Okay, good, good. Check that so, out. So the dad one we could be called Dad Chen, I think, or something. Like I like that. that. <laughs> I like that. So we're going to wind down. I want to leave people as we started with the film because uh some people may have come on during the show other people have left let's just end with seeing this little show uh film again that i hope will be uplifting and that you will take the time to connect and love everyone in your life that you can you can find you know don't waste this time call people say hello check in and if you have children still living in, in your home, just 
really, really help them feel that connection of love and safety. And uh, see you next month. I've been feeling really down lately. My mom's been focused on my baby sister and my little brother, and my dad's been working really hard lately. And I'm just not happy with all the stuff that's been going on around me, and I have no control over it. And there's just so much more dangerous, like, awful stuff just going on, and I, I, I can't change any of it. And there's no one I can talk to about this, because my mom and dad are unavailable, and I really only have you. Truth change and still remain. Lives are touched and then retouched beyond the veil. The future lies full and inviting, uncertain. Yet beckoning, and even I have the strength to open my heart and my arms to the sky and sing out hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you. This was really fun, and you got me another step forward in the technology of working from my home and being able to do a podcast. And uh, I just want to say that I'm here, and my you can always come to EnchantedSelf.com and find a lot of my materials that are helpful in these types of times and any time. And I'm pretty good at answering my emails to barbara.holstein at gmail.com. And uh, that's all. I think we're done. It was great. Bye for now.